What we do here is go back, 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 back. back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to all of our amazing listeners and followers from around the world. All of you guys that are you know, you're on your journey, you're doing things a little bit differently, you're probably anti-status quo, probably going after a venture, a dream. You're just thinking way, way, way outside the box. And often at times, um, you could be misunderstood or uh, doubted <laughs> or thought of as crazy etc etc and down the line and so i get you we get you my guests get you they do everything unconventional in a lot of ways they're always pushing boundaries and trying new things and creating really cool ventures and new startups and new you know businesses that really do push the envelope so you're definitely welcomed here and i appreciate all the love for we've had a a, a huge amount of new listeners uh come in and i want to thank you guys personally i love all of our listeners since day one and our new listeners, I wanted to welcome you here personally. We really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, for those of you that are new, I'm Matt Goddessman. You can follow along at Matt Goddessman on um, Instagram. You can also follow along if you want to get in the conversation at, at the intersection of culture and creativity and entrepreneurship, uh, HDF Magazine on Instagram. And of course, you can follow Hustle Sold separately on Instagram. And uh, I just appreciate each and every one of you guys. You know that I've been answering every single DM, text, reply, response, uh, you name it, uh, app, WhatsApp, text message, <laughs> messenger message for the last seven years straight. I answer each and every one of you guys. So I've gotten to know you and I've gotten to know a lot about you and what your needs are, et cetera, and, and having this community, which we're going to be talking a little bit about today because that does lead into feedback, which is going to be our topic. And I've got just the perfect guest for that. Um, but I just want to say, like, I really appreciate you guys doing that and all the ratings and the reviews and all the stuff. We are a global community. So to that point, we are going to be talking about feedback as an answer you're really looking for. Right. And, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that here in a second. But it, we're going to be talking with Rashawn Bloomberg. He's the co-author of Game Changer, How to Be 10x in the Talent Economy and co-founder of 10x Management. And um, we're going to be discussing a, this whole idea of feedback, which you guys have heard me preach countless times. Don't know something? Ask. Use your humility. <laughs> Use your humbleness. Stop thinking you have to have all the answers yourself and actually ask the people you're trying to help. Ask the customers at every step of the customer journey. How was that? How can I do better? Did you like this? Oh, did you need that? No, I'll take that out. You know, you use feedback to essentially accelerate everything you're trying to do. Um, and, and I always, I always implore, you know, humility in that because if you can get out of your own way, you can actually get a lot further for what you're looking to do by getting feedback and not just from your customers, but also having, you know, mentors or, or coaches or advisors, people that can tell you like, Hey, have you thought about doing like this, giving you alternative perspectives, things like that. So we're gonna be talking a lot about that today. And I got just a guest for you. So uh, as I mentioned, Rashawn Blumberg, he is the co-author of Game Changer, How to Be 10X Talent Economy and co-founder of 10X Management, which is a talent agency for tech professionals, for all of you out there, because I know I got a bunch of techies and freelancers, uh, that has rocketed to the forefront of the tech industry, carving out its place as a trusted and exclusive resource for companies seeking the best and most coveted freelance and experts, all right? 
basically 10x matches top contract technology experts designers brand innovators with companies ranging from startups to fortune 500 clients like uh, amex american express you know hsbc google verizon yelp and more uh, Rashawn is first and foremost an entrepreneur. It's what he studied, graduating from the Wharton School of Business with a degree in entrepreneurial management in 1994. That is not an easy school for anybody listening and, and curious. Uh, it's what he's lived uh, and it's really what he loves. So for more than 25 years, he's harnessed that spirit to create and lead successful organizations based in tech, entertainment, and the nonprofit sphere. Uh, basically finding a lot of new solutions to longstanding and emerging challenges. You guys know how I feel about those <laughs> from past episodes as well. Uh, and he founded uh, Brickwall Management, uh, a talent agency representing multi-platinum and Grammy award-winning recording artists, songwriters, top record producers, and filmmakers. We probably had quite a few of them already on this podcast. Uh, and he's also co-founded uh, Musicians on Call, a nonprofit that brings live music to over 700,000 people in healthcare facilities across the U.S. and remains an active member on this board of directors. And he's also presented at TEDx, been published in the Harvard Business Review, and was featured on the cover of Wharton Alumni of New York Magazine. So um, clearly he's not busy at all. <laughs> Rashawn, thank, <laughs> thank you for being on the show, man. I really appreciate you being here. Wow, that was a great setup. Thank you so much. Um, I love hearing my own bio read back to me. It's so interesting because I don't really think of all those things. You know, it's not in the forefront of my mind. Um, I'm so focused on the here and now and what's coming next and, and trying to figure it out and, you know, trying to find my way in the world. But it's it's cool to hear sort of a little bit of the history. So thank you. And I'll probably give you a little bit more detail into that in, in a few as well. No, you know, I love and I, I always say this and the audience knows this. I love hearing that when with exactly what you just said, because most of our guests say the same thing. Like it's weird. It's it's fun to hear it. But I, it, I they're like, I'm not thinking about it because I'm always working on the now and where we're heading that sometimes we forget to celebrate. So that's why you're here. So we can celebrate yeah. it. <laughs> you know? All right. So, uh, so yeah, you know, I mentioned before the show, the first question is always the same. Like, how did we get here, you know, with 10X management with everything that you're doing? I know I gave your background, but I'd love for the audience yeah. to get to know you a little bit better on your journey and why you were making some of the decisions you were making along the way and probably make them feel a little less weird for making their own decisions too. <laughs> so, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm not going to take us all the way back to the big bang, okay. but um, <laughs> I will, I will start um, with growing up in New York city uh, in the seventies and the eighties. Um, and my business partner and the co-author of the book, Michael Solomon and I grew up here together. We met in third grade and we went to school from third through eighth grade together, but remained friends through high school. And, um, in high school, I was already very entrepreneurial. I think you, you mentioned something that I really loved in your intro, which is sort of bucking the status quo. I was definitely one to buck the status quo when I was growing up. Um, I started throwing parties in New York, basically renting out loft space, um, striking a deal with a beer distributor, uh, and sort of promoting these events around all the private schools um, in the city. and you know, sort of through that experience and doing a variety of other entrepreneurial things, like we had a t-shirt business, we would sell t-shirts door to door at the dorms at uh, NYU. Um, I really was bitten by the entrepreneurial bug because I realized, even without it being sort of in the forefront of my mind at that time, but I realized early on that if you're entrepreneurial, you are already bucking the status quo. You're not working for somebody else. You're carving your own future. You're creating your own destiny. 
Um, and you sort of live and die by what it is you do your own hustle. Um, and I, and I loved that. Like I was, I did not feel like I was a good fit in the traditional world of work. Um, and then when I went to Wharton, um, I ended up running the concert committee there essentially from, I think it was the end of the first semester of school, my freshman year, maybe it was the beginning of the second semester. I took over as the head of the concert committee for the school. Um, and so in running the concerts for the school, the four years that I was there, I made some interesting connections. Um, and the first connection I made was with a company called Niederlander. Um, and Niederlander is a Broadway theater owner. Um, they produce shows, they own theaters. They also owned a variety of sheds, music sheds, amphitheaters around the country. So they also did concert promotion and they own, I believe, a quarter or something of the Yankees. Um, and I had hired Niederlander to help me work with booking agents to book the bands for the shows at our school, what's called a middle agent. So Niederlander was our middle agent. Um, and then after I graduated from Wharton, I went to work for Niederlander. So that was my first job. And, and I basically was doing all the contracts for all of the shows at all of their venues, which was super interesting. I, I don't have a law background, but I quickly learned a lot about sort of the standard types of clauses one sees in contracts in riders, uh, riders being what the band asks for or the artist asks for at a given show. Um, so I got a pretty quick study and a quick uh, tutorial on how to read and review contracts, which was really interesting. Um, at the time, it felt quite dry sitting in an office, you know, reading contracts all day. Here I am thinking I'm getting into the music business. Um, and so that job led into working for a gentleman named Ron Delsner, who is a legendary concert promoter, um, and his partner, Mitch Slater, who unfortunately just passed away very recently at a very young age. Um, I think he was 59 hard to believe. Um, and they had a company that produced all, almost all of the concerts in the New York area. They had Jones Beach. They do the PNC Arts Center, if it's still called that. You know, all the shows at the Garden, you know, all the, all the major venues in New York City. Um, and that I got more hands-on experience with promoting shows, marketing shows, ticketing shows. Um, it was a really interesting and, and different experience. Still doing some contract work as well. So I was able to build upon what I learned at Niederlander. Um, but all along, I knew that I really wanted to be sort of at the heart of the creative process. Um, managers in the music industry, as opposed to uh, film, the manager in, in music plays a very central role in building an artist's career. Um, and I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And we, myself and Michael, had a very close relationship um, with Bruce Springsteen's management team. And so we had this very uh, Pollyanna vision or view of what it, what it's like to work with an artist. Um, I don't think that there is a better example of a perfect relationship in, in music than between Bruce Springsteen and his management team. So um, at a very early age, we were exposed to this. And, and also growing up in New York, we were exposed to other people whose parents were in the music business. So we had a little bit of a viewpoint into that world and uh, into management in particular. And between a variety of internships I had, either with music PR firms or uh, at record labels or with other artist managers, sort of decided to take the plunge. And in 1995, I ended up leaving uh, uh, Delsner, actually in 96, I ended up leaving Delsner Slater, but we started the management company in 1995. Um, I think I was maybe 24, 25 years old. Wow. 
Um, and it was, you know, it was a ballsy move. I, I think looking back, I would say maybe even a stupid move because <laughs> we knew enough to be dangerous, but we didn't really know enough to, to know what we were doing. We did have some contacts in the business, which were super helpful. Um, and there were a variety of people that played sort of a mentorship role with us. Um, but I'd say that a lot of the lessons that we learned being stupid and, and, and taking that leap of faith are really what makes up the lessons of Game Changer. Um, and it's things that we started learning back then in representing talent and working with talent and protecting talent um, and interfacing with all the different elements of a talent's career, a record label, a publishing company, a booking agency, a merch company, you know, touring and all the promoters and tour staff and, and all the different machinations that go into an artist's career. Um, you know, really were foundational for, for the way that we carry forth with our business today. And also in a lot of the lessons that we are putting forth in the book um, and that we think that the, the community, the, the work community at large should really be adopting now. Mm. Um, and so I'd say around 2010, people started to refer to tech talent as rock stars. And we had been hiring freelance uh, tech talent for a number of years to build websites and web properties and uh, apps for the entertainment world. And we kept getting frustrated by the process. It, it just felt inefficient. It was difficult to find and vet talent. Uh, you know, we were just yep. sort of, it was like a, you know, we were winging it. We were hoping that we were finding good people. And, and for the most part, we were. But we noticed a lot of inefficiency. So when that, that, that moniker of rock star started to being attributed, uh, we thought maybe we could be part of that solution. And we essentially took the representation model from the entertainment world, less in management and more in the agency world, um, over to the tech world in starting 10x management. And the idea there was to work with freelance talent to help them optimize what they do best, right? No freelancer wants to find work, negotiate the contract, constantly invoice and chase money. Um, you know, those are things or figure out how to market themselves and know how to price themselves. You know, mm -hmm. those are things that are sort of outside the scope of their, uh, their professional experience and their interests. Um, and so the idea was like, let's work with this talent. Let's take all these types of business elements off of their plate and free them up to do the work that they really want to do. Um, at the same time, taking the pain point that companies had that we had experienced with, how do I find somebody great? How do I know if they're great? You know, how do I interview them? What's the process? We wanted to make that an easier process for them. Um, and so by marrying these two things together, we, I think we've created something. Well, I know we created something that was unique at the time in the tech world, but I think we created something that was really vital and necessary because as we go into this world where automation is replacing a lot of your traditional uh, modes of employment and that will continue and maybe even hasten yep. in the next 10, 15, 20 years, we're really entering what I would like to call the knowledge economy. Yep. And when you're talking about knowledge workers, you're talking about people that are essential to the way business gets done. And to me, that's no different than talent in the music industry, sports, entertainment, what have you. So what we view as talent is really anybody that's in the workforce that is crucial to the way work gets done. And so once you start thinking about people as talent, you realize, Talent needs to be protected in some way, shape, or form. Um, and so that was sort of the basis, and that's the through line, I think, with all the different work that we do. It's about protecting talent and empowering talent. Um, through 10X, we created another company called 10X Ascend, where we help people who are looking for full-time work 
negotiate their compensation packages. Again, because people who are finding employment and getting an offer, they're not experts in negotiations. But the people at the companies in HR, recruiters, all those people, they are experts. So the goal here was to protect this kind of talent and help them ensure that they're getting the best uh, compensation package for their personal needs, bespoke needs. Um, and that's sort of like that lens and the experience that we've had working with companies over the last nine, 10 years in the tech world, um, that's really informed what we're talking about specifically in Game Changer and really why we're here talking about feedback um, because all of this leads into feedback, which is part of communication, which to me is, is the crux of success in anything you do. Um, so whether you're a 10Xer or not, if you can't communicate, if you can't solicit feedback, if you can't improve the process and your own process, you're going to fail over and over again. And that, I believe, brings us to why we're here right now. <laughs> I, I mean, that was so well put. So be, the stuff that really spoke to my soul, especially from, from a business standpoint, uh, first of all, because my background is uh, in tech and um, I had to usually resource all the agencies and the talent and the freelancers and everything for the brand side. So a lot of times I was actually auditing agencies and going through all the contracts and being like, well, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Or I had to find the right talent. And that is not as easy as everybody thinks it is. So I, you were appealing to my soul. So I'm 41. <laughs> so I started at, I started at 20, like 2021. 20, yeah. So I've had to come through that wave of the early 2000s and how that whole landscape in, in technology and like, you know, and uh, coding and everything all the way to like where we're at to today and everything in between. Yeah. And the talent pool has gotten so much wider as well, too. And there's so many ranges. And then there's the educational side to the brands of what they think that they need, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and how do they get what they actually need on top of the uh, with the talent that can also deliver what they actually need. You know, I used yeah. to love those conversations back in the day where the CEO would be like, well, can I just get my 10 year old to do Facebook? You're like, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Social media marketing. Let's talk about that. So I, I love right. you. I love you bringing all of that up and that, you know, the talent has changed. And yes, I, I agree with you about the knowledge economy and automation as a beautiful it. I believe it is a beautiful thing that will um, allow us to do more with less, but then just be more in a um, a management style of, you know, how things are, are getting done into the masses and communicated and, and, and really processes as you brought up, you know, yeah. uh, are, are everything. So all of that was, uh, was, was truly, truly great stuff. And it just resonated with my entire, you know, being of, you know, cause we, we talk about some of these things sometimes on the podcast that, um, I think that people don't understand. And, and, um, and a lot of the people who are listening, they are that talent pool. Um, and it is, it's hard to price, it's hard to, you know, how do you do the contracts for this? And how yeah. should this be set up? How do we track this? How do we monitor this? You know, what, what I don't want to be taken advantage of by the company. Like what, you know, where are the boundaries right. on that? <laughs> you must get, you must get every type of question, yeah. which leads to the feedback side. Right. I mean, um, I, I essentially, I guess what I want to ask you about feedback to start that conversation is, um, you know, uh, how, Okay, so f there's probably layers here. There's feedback as how you, you know, got feedback to grow any initiative, feedback for your customer, in this case, the talent, and how, you know, providing value to them and then also understanding their needs and them understanding what you're doing for them. Like, 
I would love for you to talk about feedback in any number one of the layers because I know there's probably yeah. like 50 million of them, but it's there's a lot going on in there. There really is. I mean, feedback is, you know, it's it's one of these things that if you're not, and you said this already in your intro, if you're not constantly getting feedback, and that doesn't always mean you're soliciting it. Sometimes right. you're just getting feedback from things you're observing uh, going on uh, in, in the world that you're working within. Um, if you're not constantly getting feedback and processing that feedback and optimizing based on that feedback, you're not, I don't even know what you're doing. Like you're not even really living at that point. Um, so to me, I think to maybe simplify this conversation or at least my part of it, um, I'm going to, I'm going to break feedback into, uh, an individual feedback as an individual and then feedback as a business. Um, and the different ways I view those things, because I think that they're slightly different um, and slightly nuanced. So as an individual, you need to be getting feedback in a variety of different places, personally and professionally. Um, if anybody's in a long-term relationship, you know that it takes a lot of give and take and a lot of understanding to have a successful relationship. And that is all about feedback. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. am I treating you the way you want to be treated? Yes. Um, and I think that that at the core of that is this idea of communication and over communication. Um, and that's so important because you can't get feedback unless you're just observing it. As I mentioned earlier, you can't get feedback if you don't ask for it. If you don't know how to ask for it, if you don't have the courage to ask for it, if you don't know why you need to ask for it. Um, so everything with feedback starts with communication. Um, and that includes with your spouse, your family, um, your mentors, your people you have business relationships with. You need to understand what motivates them. And you'll get that information largely by asking questions. Um, and that feedback is crucial. And by the way, we don't always know what we don't know and know yes. what questions to ask. So while I think that it is based largely on communication and questions, very often the feedback is about what is it that I don't know what I should be asking? Mm -hmm. Um, yes. I'm not, I'm not an expert in Jahari window and maybe, you know, you've talked about that in other places, or maybe you know what that is already. Um, but essentially, this is the concept of like all the different levels of how we know ourselves. Yes. Um, and one of them is things that uh, you don't know about yourself, but others do. And that's where this feedback comes in and is super important because it can help you uh, identify blind spots in your own process and your own life and way in the way of doing things. Um, and we talk about this a lot in the book. It's sort of broken up into several different chapters, but it's it's essentially the through line of the entire book is about communication and feedback um, and who to give feedback to, when to give it, where to give it. Um, so going into the shifting from the personal to the business, um, you know, one of the things that we talk about, and we have a lot of prescriptive measures in the book about what we think companies should be doing. But one of the things we talk about is that for a company to effectively hire, uh, retain, and manage somebody who's great, they need to start with that feedback moment at the hiring process. They need to understand who that person is truly to be able to make the kind of offer for them that'll be compelling. And in doing so and getting to know who that person is at that early stage, they can then help make the integration into the company that much more effective because they know who they are. And all that starts with communication and feedback and soliciting what's important from somebody. Um, and, and that's sort of where we start, almost start and end with the business side. It's about companies 
understanding who it is they're working with on an individual level. Um, I make the joke yes. um, sometimes in, in talking and giving presentations about this topic. Um, and I say the old way of work doesn't work anymore. And there's a new way of work. And I, I sort of explain the difference. I say the old way of work is like the movie um, Office Space, yes. where you've got, you know, you've got, <laughs> you got the, the manager who's asking for the TPS reports. He doesn't even know who these people are. He doesn't really know what they do. They get, he tells them they've got to come in on the weekend, every weekend. You know, the employees don't really know what they're doing or why they're doing it. It's this nameless, faceless, cog in a machine attitude that has to, that, that is gone. Like that way of the world has to go. Um, if the company doesn't know who the individual is, doesn't manage to the individual, doesn't understand the individual's needs and wants and career goals. Um, and, you know, understand that most people now are mission driven. Um, and again, that's all feedback, right? You don't get that information just by looking at a resume or maybe having an interview. You've really got to dive deeper. So, you know, feedback, I think, is is one of those things that pervades every single area of your life. Sometimes it's you're obtaining feedback consciously and sometimes you're obtaining it subconsciously. But I think that this concept of 10X or that we talk about, which is somebody who can deliver exponential results, um, that exploration into feedback and, cons- and constant learning is at the core of that capability. If you don't have that desire and understanding of the need for feedback, you're never going to uh, make it to 10x. You know, (laughs) there's uh, the personal and the business are so related. And I know when when people would say, no, you know, business is business, personal is personal. I'm like, yeah, but character is character. And that's going to happen in anything, whether it's business or personal. And and you brought up communication. And you said, am I treating you the way you want to be treated? You know, and um, you can't get feedback if you don't ask for it or understand why you even need it in the first place. And it's so true, like even in in relationships, uh, especially right. Um, Even when you don't know what you should be asking, the vulnerability to be like, I don't know what I should ask you right now because I'm trying to dive further into this uh, particular subject matter. And I need to learn the right questions to ask because I feel like I'm still at a starting point within this particular category or subject or something like that. And that takes layers because most of the time, what I have found is that people, and even from personal experience, right? Like when we don't have clarity, we get defensive or we get like Mm -hmm. upset or we can get any number of things um, where, but the clarity allows us to to move forward and um, having the humility and vulnerability, be like, you know what? I I don't know what I should be asking. And I, so let's, can we have a starting point somewhere here? And then I, I like that what you were saying when, a, you know, for a company to effectively hire, they need to start with feedback moment at the very, very start. And I was, you know, I'm almost wondering, um, do they really, really know what they want? Is the hiring department really ingrained with the culture of the company and what the what they're trying to achieve with the vision? And um, because sometimes they say, oh, we're hiring for this. You know, you, you see this now, right? Here, I'll give you a perfect. There was like a meme uh, a buddy of mine did. Uh, he's a he's a, a global consultant as well. And he, for business, and he showed a meme where there was a tech company that was um, that was requiring um, five years experience in a certain kind of coding language or, or, or a new piece of type of coding. Um, and uh, the, the gentleman that was applying for it um, got rejected by the company. He goes, well, considering the fact that I'm the person who wrote it and it's only a year and a half old, I'd right. say that your hiring process is a little bit behind. <laughs> he's like, but if there's right. something else you'd like me to do, he's like, or if you need help like fixing 
<laughs> yeah. just, because there's because the old way kicks in. We would like you to have five years experience. We'd like to have this. Like the dude wrote it year a year and a half ago. Like right. you, and the way at how talent is advancing so fast. Like it's like okay, what is it you really really want? And how do you have that conversation with a potential talent in front of you that can deliver it? But now you're also trying to have a a connection of like. How can we win-win together? Like, we need help in this, this, and this. And I can say it as the hirer, you know, the person hiring and, and the person being potentially hired saying like, hey, like, here's what, here's what I'm, I'm looking to do and here's how I can work best and here's how I can offer my value, et cetera. Like, those conversations happening more, um, which you said, you know, when you start having more of those kind of personable conversations in a, in a business setting, um, I, the communication is everything. I mean, and again, it goes just yeah. back to like, hey, how, you know, treat you how you want need to be treated and how I want to be treated yep. and ask questions. Well, and one of the things that I didn't mention, I should have, which is kind of uh, underneath the feedback loop is trust. Yes. And trust is what gets built to allow feedback to effectively be received and delivered. Um, Cause sometimes feedback, feedback can be pretty harsh yes. and it's only <laughs> because, you know, you have a relationship with somebody that that harshness can be, received in the right way. I mean, look, you should always be, try to strive to be kind and gentle in, in any kind of negative feedback. But, but if you can't develop trust with somebody and trust has to be earned, so it's, it's not something that can be done immediately. Um, uh, and, and I do think feedback does start before trust occurs, but I think when you get into the more complex elements of feedback, uh, things that can really make a true difference in who you are as a person or how you function as a company, there has to be that trust underpinning everything that you do. And that's why communication and expectation setting and all those things are so important because trust is, what is the saying? It takes a lifetime to be built and an instant, in an instant it can be broken. Um, it, trust erodes very, very quickly, but it takes a long time to build. So, you know, you have to always be building that trust. You have to always be over-delivering and under-promising. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that comes from understanding through feedback, um, you know, the way that you have to optimize your own experience. So, you know, tr- trust is everything. And, um, I, you know, I, I always equate, and the, my, the audience knows this, I, you know, um, that everything is like a, a partnership, whether in business or in personal life or in friendship or anything like that. And I always use the Chicago Bulls, you know, the Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls. And it's like Michael Jordan trusted Scottie Pippen to be Scottie Pippen. He didn't have to micromanage him per se, <laughs> but, but, he, but, you know, and that's probably a different debate, but, but the fact is that he, he knew he could rely on Scotty to be, um, no, he's just as dedicated to the mission. He's, um, he's doing the shoot arounds. He's looking at the tapes. He's constantly working on his game. He's going to miss 70% of the shots and at 30% is still a superstar, you yeah. know, and, and he'll can in allowing that space for Scotty to be Scotty. And cause Michael Jordan couldn't be Michael Jordan without, Scottie Pippen or Robin with them, you know, so like partnership and trust has to be, has to be there. It's, it's actually how we accelerate. And if we, you know, if we feel like we can't trust in that other person, um, we start over managing or, or, or micromanaging or, you know, or, 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 you know, or moving away and not communicating yeah. as much and be like, I'll just take over. I'll just this. And, and the cohesiveness starts to go away. Uh, so, so I think it's great that you, you, you bring up trust as a very, you know, uh, how about as I'd love for you to answer both as a coach, mentor, manager type, 
you being that role and you having a mentor mm. or you know a go-to trusted source um because i know no matter how old i get i always have a couple of go-to people i don't care if they're a day older than me they still have a day on me <laughs> you know <laughs> not i mean some could be younger too actually i've, I've witnessed some uh, talent in other areas that can really help in other areas but yeah um but uh but yeah i would love for you to play uh, uh talk about on both sides of the of the table with that and yeah and i mean feedback. i think that this is this is something we really get at in the book um it's this idea that you really are never at a point where you don't benefit from advice from somebody else. And you're right. It could be somebody older. It could be somebody younger. It, it just has to be somebody who has a different life experience and maybe a different set of expertise that you don't pot, perhaps have. Um, so I think that there's a benefit that we as individuals can provide in both directions, people that we manage ourselves or work with directly, um, and then people that manage us. And I think we have a responsibility in both directions to to really work and nurture that relationship when we talk about this extensively and I think two different chapters in the book. Um, but it's this idea that, and actually we've sort of dubbed this term the double hat world. Um, and the idea of the double hat world is, you know, I mentioned that talent is the, you know, those are the key people at your company who are, are uh, providing you with whatever it is you need to succeed as an organization. Talent is, can also be managers. So managers are talent as well, and talent are managers as well. Um, if you're in an organization and you're above somebody um, in, in the food chain, you're managing down to them, but you also have other managers that are in your same level, and sometimes you're providing guidance to them or they're providing guidance to you, and then you're being managed by somebody above, and, and there may be times where you need more from that person, so you have to provide them with the, the roadmap of what, they, what you'd like from them in order to manage you. Um, so there are all these different management directions and structures, but at the end of the day, the idea is very simple. We need to be constantly learning. We need to be constantly looking for places to gain understanding, gain that feedback, and we also need to be giving that feedback. So the double hat world is really the idea that in any given moment or career, you're both the talent and the manager. It's like, you know, until you walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, you don't really understand that experience. Until you really formulate in your own head that you're not just the talent, that you're also the manager, you can't really understand what it means to manage or be managed effectively. Um, and for us, you know, we, we talk about our own, uh, we, we talk about and interview our own uh, sort of advisor um, at 10X Management in the book because there were areas of the business we, we didn't understand, or I shouldn't say the business, areas of business period that we didn't understand. We have certain expertise but we also know we, there are things we don't know. And so we went and looked for people who could help us provide guidance, uh, clarity in those areas that we were unfamiliar with. Um, and it doesn't really make a difference whether you're the CEO of a company and th that company is a billion dollar plus valuation company or you're you know, working at a bodega. Um, there's always something you can learn to improve, to be better. And the more you seek that, the better you will become just by the virtue of you seeking it. Um, so I don't know if that completely answers yeah. the question, but there's a lot to unpack there in my mind. No, there really is. You know, uh, we recently had Brad Feld on the, the podcast and he talked about peer mentorship and which, um, you know, you have the mentor and the mentee growing together and being able to openly share with each other 
um, you know, because both can teach you something. So you're it, the double hat. Like on one hand, you're learning. On the other hand, you're you're mentoring. You know, as well. Yeah. You can be and you and even though I know you're talking about where you got multiple people, but it, you know, it's you know, as an example, you know, I was I was talking with the gal who runs the operations side of of my my growth marketing agency, and um, it was interesting because I went to her and I said, hey, listen, I was proposed with these things that we could potentially do, but I feel like they, I'm my narrative internally is that um, that will take us out of our lane because I'm worried because I saw this and I dealt with these experiences in my past, but I'm not my past. My narrative is coming up. Prove me wrong. And she sure as hell proved me wrong. <laughs> she came, yeah. she's like, I love it. She's like, first of all, thank you for actually asking for my opinion. I'm like, of course. I was like, mm-hmm. you're a ninja at what you do, you know, <laughs> and, and which is why we get along so well. You know, her 17 years in the business, like never really got, she never got approached that way in things. Um, that was what was missing from her when we first started yeah. this business relationship. And and she said, she's like, here's how that could actually be done succinctly, on brand, consistently, and within our range of services and um, with systems. And it was like, she lined it all up. And I'm like, thank you for proving me wrong. And she's yeah. like, yeah. So like, don't don't worry about it. But she, I can see your concern. I can see how that would be a concern because you don't want to veer off from like, it's not a veer off. It's actually a compliment. I was like, ah, you're right. It does compliment the business. I just was, I was worried that we'd go and you'd be doing too many things and not, and yeah. get out of our lane. So that, that feedback loop, you know, as you're talking about, it's like on one minute, she relies on me a lot for that kind of mentorship out of some of the areas that she, that had been really tough for her. But on other areas, I rely on her to give me that feedback, knowing that I'm, I'm operating off of a, an, an internal narrative that may or may not be true. It's false. And in this yeah. case, it was false. And I knew it. <laughs> but I wanted her to prove me wrong. So, yeah. you know, so yeah, I think it's great what, what you're, you're uh, saying. And, um, you know, to, because to, I believe you also addressed in the book about feedback can uncover blind spots. We mm-hmm. don't even realize that we have them unless we're a, a part of our own personal growth and self awareness and understand, like, I try to understand my emotions and be like, hmm, you know, where is that coming from? So I can better yeah. unpack that. And then knowing that, okay, if there's a blind spot there, just sort of like what I had to do with that gal. And I said, listen, uh, here's why this is coming up. Help me understand what I can't see. And yeah, exactly. Right. That's so exactly I, would, I would right. love for you to unpack that. You can go as far <laughs> deep into that. But I, but I think that, you know, it's, it's such a, it's such a killer move because if you can, if you have people you can trust to get uncover blind spots and you're aware that you're having them game changer, <laughs> pun intended, <Yeah>. pun intended. <laughs> so. Well, I, I mean, if I can simplify um, a couple of chapters in the book, because I think they tie together and end with a nice bow of what you just mentioned. Um, we have three chapters, Bespoke Boss, uh, which is about this, this the idea that the boss gets to know who you truly are. Um, and through that process of getting to know who you truly are, you find out where somebody fits in the man- management continuum, which we talk about in the book. It's another chapter. Where they fit, are they prone to sabotage impulses or success impulses? You don't know any of that stuff about where they fit in the management continuum if you mm-hmm. don't have the ability to understand who they are as individuals both professionally and personally. So you've got the bespoke boss who gets to understand their their team and their the people in their employ more personally. Then they can determine where do they stand in the management continuum? Because if you've got the sabotage impulse and you're constantly bringing your team down and making bad decisions, you've got to weed that person out of your company immediately. But you don't know if that person is right. where they stand if you don't get to know them well. So, and then the other thing is once you've got your team 
You've weeded out the people who are uh, prone to the sabotage impulse. You know who they are. Now you can provide what we call supervision, supervision, not one word. And that really is broke. We break it down into two things, which is inner vision and future vision. And that's where we talk mm-hmm. about inner vision is like being a manager, being able to tell you the areas where you don't realize you have blind spots, right? Because we, as we get to know people, can see what they can't see themselves. And just by bringing those things up and giving that kind of feedback, you help somebody hopefully correct those errors and not continue to make the same mistake over and over again. So a really great bespoke boss who's weeded out the the people with the sabotage impulse can provide that kind of inner vision to their team. And then they also need to provide future vision, which is, I think, a little bit what you were just talking about with with what you spoke to uh, your, your, uh, your colleague about, which is the uh, future vision is not getting sidetracked with these, these bright, shiny objects that might pop up in, in, in the course of a day or a project. Um, we have worked with people over the years who, you know, just love to go into a rabbit hole about, <laughs> you know, whatever, like, oh, I can fix that. And then they go spend a couple of days fixing that. And you're like, well, we didn't really need to have that fixed. And now we're three days behind on the project that we did need to do. So future vision is understanding like, okay, this person we know loves to go down these rabbit holes. So we're going to make sure to, to block those things off when we see them coming. Um, and all of that happens through trust and feedback, because if you don't know who your people are, if they don't trust you and you don't trust them, you can't give those different, you can't figure out where they stand in the management continuum and whether they're going to be sabotaging your projects over and over again. And you can't provide them the kind of supervision that a modern manager must be able to provide in order to be a successful, effective leader. I love that you brought up sabotage, the sabotage impulse, because it does happen in that old paradigm shift of what you were talking about, the, the old way of doing business a lot, um, out of fear, out of worthiness, out, basically out of a lot of self-awareness and personal development that a lot of people should probably go through because like um, not listening or like I'm going to assert my authority and my power because if I don't, uh, you know, if I don't keep the status quo or if I give my opinion here, here's what's going to happen. If I don't, if I become vulnerable, I'll be weakness. They'll fire me or they'll fire the other people. There's so much sabotage from the individual, from doing the right thing because they're worried about, which I understand because in, in corporate culture that can happen. I mean, if it, it, like in any relationship, if the space hasn't been given for the individual yeah. to feel like them, they can be themselves and welcome feedback and welcome uh, you know, ideas, right or wrong, and, and to work through stuff in a collaborative space you know, to be themselves and, and work through it, well, of course they're not going to feel comfortable like, you know, uh, yeah. being that kind of manager that can that can work towards the the inner vision um you know in the future vision and, and and openness and and all that and i'd like to think that a the a lot of newer emerging companies are doing that also we have a lot of you know small businesses like uh, that are exploding as well too but um is do you feel like it's changing quite a bit like that the that the uh business landscape is catching up a little bit? <laughs> well, yes, I do. Um, and, and it is being led through tech um, and and sort of the startup culture. Yes. And the Silicon is. Valley culture, which we we talk about a little bit as a backdrop for the book and, and leading up to the book. But that was really the, the reason we wrote the book is we felt like we were dealing with so many different types of companies, some of whom were, were you know, were right on the forefront of this and really were effective in in the way that they were uh, approaching, you know, the talent idea 
whether it's full-time talent or freelance talent. And there were others that were just radically behind the curve. Um, and sort of, we were speaking different languages. Um, and you just brought something up and I'm, I'm almost kicking myself that we didn't include this in the book, but the sabotage element can be structural within an organization. And you, you talked about giving space to individuals to feel comfortable to talk. And there are a lot of organizations that are structurally stifling um, people from expressing things that could be uh, improvements. Um, so I think that that, you know, that is part of it. There could be structural sabotage within an organization. Um, and, you know, we don't, we don't tackle that head on the book, but there is some discussion of that. But, um, but yeah, I, I do think that there is a movement towards this. I do think the pandemic, if there's any kind of silver lining from this experience is the idea of remote work, which I don't think is right for every job or every, every person or every position, but it was something, you know, we talk about in the book and we wrote the book before this occurred, but we had to rush. We ended up adding a forward to the book, which we rushed, you know, into production because it really highlighted this idea of remote work because that is really, you know, something that companies were so stuck on, you know, in, instead of trying to find the best and brightest person to, to, to solve the problem, they were like, I want the best and brightest person that's in like a 50 block radius of my, my office, um, which is absurd. Um, <laughs> I <know>. So <laughs> I think, I think that just uh, that one thing, companies becoming aware that they can work effectively remotely and that they're now better prepared with the resources that they have internally to work remotely. Um, you know, I think that's a huge leap, you know, in and of itself right there. But there's still a lot more that needs to be, you know, worked on. We, we talk about some of the contractual elements of working with freelancers and, and others. And I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done there, you know, payment terms. I mean, there's so much oh, yeah. that the individual is that gets lost to that get that the understanding that there is an individual, a human providing a service often gets lost in some of the structures that organizations have created. Um, And in a bespoke world, in a world where we're doing more with less in a world where it's knowledge workers who are really running the ship and, and dealing with those people is so important because if you can't have the best and brightest, you're not going to be competitive. You have to change the way you do business head to toe. I, you're, your company is going into an era where it has an insane amount of responsibilities and going to be very busy for a very long time, <laughs> in my opinion, you know, that, but that, but we saw this, we saw all this coming, you know, I'm not saying the pandemic, <laughs> it's a different story, but like, uh, we, we saw like the, there would sooner or later, uh, all of the, the, the businesses that weren't fully embracing the capabilities of remote work or global talent or all these other things because of kind of, you know, some, you know, change is difficult for a lot of people. And I, and I understand that um, until they were all forced into the change. Hence your service was a great time for something like that, especially, but we, we saw all of this and it's, as I was giving the analogy the other day to a friend, I said, it's sort of like, we've all been emailing for like, you know, a decade and now now the people who thought it was all a fad are like jumping on board which is everybody you know and they're like hey have you right. like tried this email thing yet <laughs> and you're like hey have you tried the zoom i'm like what what like what is it you think i've been doing all these years <laughs> like you just right. think i just sit around and you know but um and so i think that 
what an important role that you guys have with with 10x and um because of helping streamline and make ease of this new new paradigm for them paradigm that we've all been understanding for quite some time because that's yeah. how you were able to essentially get this ready for where we're heading where i see where we're we're all heading i mean I, the influx of people were coming <laughs> coming up to us and said hey so you do all this stuff with streamlining all the business online and all this stuff. I'm like, yes. And like in with the funnels mm -hmm. and marketing and sales automation. Yes. And like help. <laughs> I yeah. was like, it's all going to be fine. We're all going to be okay. Let's just discuss this, <laughs> you know. But so I think it's a, it's an incredible time for what you're doing and, and, and grateful. When, when is the book? You want to talk about the book? Like when it's coming out and everything that's yeah. going on? With it? Okay. Yeah. So the book comes out September 22nd. Um, it's, uh, it's an odd idea to be releasing a book in a pandemic, um, but perhaps people are reading more than ever. Who knows? Um, yes. But uh, we're, we're really excited for it to come out. It's it's something that uh, we've poured our heart and souls into for the last two plus years and then 23 plus years of um, working to have the information to put into the book. Um and really, you know, the, the whole thing revolves around this idea of 10x, which is in the title of the book. It's in the title of our company name. But what that means to us is, um, and I, I think it, it's probably worth sort of defining what, what we call 10x. It's somebody who has a very high IQ, which everyone is familiar with, but also a very high EQ, which I think people are less familiar with, which is the uh, equivalent in emotional um, intelligence. And that is, again, talking about the topic of this discussion, that is the area where you're asking for feedback, you're soliciting feedback, um, you're constantly learning. So for us, the 10Xer is somebody who is equal parts high IQ and high EQ. And the combination of those two things allows for that person to deliver exponential results because they not only can code or, uh, you know, account or sell or do whatever at a very high level and they're very sophisticated at it but they can communicate effectively what it is they're doing why they're doing it why it's important how it's going to change things if you don't have both of those things you really can't have successful engagements whether it's freelance or full-time because you can't express what it is you're doing in a way to sell it so to speak uh, to the team or the individual so that's what we mean when we say 10x. It's, it's those two pillars, high IQ, high EQ, which makes somebody uber capable. Yeah. Um, you know, well, first of all, uh, with, with everybody listening, um, the book comes out September 22nd. You're, you are saying, do you, um, you know, a pandemic is a, you know, is it a time to come out with it? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and this is the perfect time for, I've continuously told a lot of people, I'm like, now is the time to do your research. Now is the time to, you know, uh, ground yourself, uh, educate yourself, read, build, create, prepare, understand, you know, do all these things that can help you for where we're heading. Um, and maybe also give you some key insights. You know, now, now is the, like now, especially, you know, is the time because there's a lot of a lot of other energies going on as well too, <laughs> yeah. you know, which we, we will not get into, but, but so I think now is the best time to, okay. Like there's a lot of changes happening. 
I need to deal with changes and understand them, understand me. And the fact that your book is covering a lot of the individual at the individual level and the core level and at how they think about the work level, I think is majorly important right now. So like everybody listening, just know this, go get the book. Where, where can they learn about it right now? So yeah, that's, that's a great question. And we've actually created a, a quiz on the book website because we thought it would be interesting for people to sort of try to determine where they fit on that 10x scale, um, either as an individual or if they know enough about their company, where their company fits on that, that scale. Um, and you can take the quiz uh, at gamechangerthebook.com. You can also pre-order the book there. Um, it's available everywhere, you know, for pre-order Amazon, Barnes and Noble, etc. Um, I had the pleasure of recording the audio book myself a couple of weeks ago, oh, which awesome. was a really interesting process. Um, I've never spent that much time in front of a microphone before. <laughs> um, welcome, welcome. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So, if you go to GameChangerTheBook.com, you can learn more about the book. You can take the quiz, the 10x quiz. Um, you can pre-order it. We also have um, interviews with some of the people that we've interviewed in the book. So we have a couple of podcast episodes there. Mm. Um, yeah. Awesome. That's and, it. And, and how can, uh, I mean, you, whatever level you're comfortable with, how can people get in touch with you or, or you guys as a collective, as the, as the agency, you know, in the, the company, yeah. whichever you prefer? So um, at the website there, GameChangerTheBook.com, there are links to our LinkedIn and Twitter. So you can uh, communicate with us and follow us at both those places. Um, and then I can personally be reached if people have questions, comments, thoughts, feelings at Rishon, R-I-S-H-O-N at the number 10, the letter X, management.com. Awesome. Uh, I really appreciate you you know, coming on the show and talking about this. And I, and I, I think it's Again, I, I think it's such a great time to be having these type of discussions um, uh, because it's such a transitional time and it's going to continue to be transitional for a while, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. So uh, so I really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, I always tell my guests, you're welcome back on any time because it is a journey driven podcast. So, you know, six months from now and a year from now look very different um, in the day and age that we're living in. Ten minutes from now looks very different. So uh, but you're welcome back on anytime. I want you to know that. Thank as, you as so much. I feel like we could have had a conversation for another five hours on all these topics. It's really unbelievable. Yeah. You know, it, an hour comes comes quickly. And, and, and yeah. it's so and it's so interesting how, yeah, sometimes these can go an hour, 20, hour, 30. And, I w you know, think of another topic, another set of topics, and they can be related or, or independent but complementary to this. I would love to explore them on another podcast with you coming up um you know even if it's in the next like month or two i'm, I'm cool with that because i think that there's a there's a lot of things in here that could easily be unpacked into way further <laughs> of a conversation yeah. and i and i know the audience loves this kind of stuff as well too so i really appreciate having you on thank you rashawn thank you so much for having me this has been a great conversation i really appreciate it yeah absolutely sit tight for one second i'll connect with you offline everybody listening rashawn blumberg co-author of game changer how to be 10x in the talent economy and co-founder of 10x management he gave a website gamechangerthebook.com there you can uh, learn about the book it's coming out september 22nd you can also take the quiz you can also connect with him at rashawn at uh, so r-i-s-h-o-n at the number 10 one zero x uh, management.com. I remembered all that off the fly. Perfect. Well done. <laughs> the brain is still working good today. <laughs> so, um, but please feel free to reach out to him, um, especially because I know I got a lot of you guys that are, are um, 
freelancers and designers, uh, creatives, a lot of creatives you guys follow. Um, Rashawn may be able to be helpful in, in this, you know, talent economy that we're working in. So be sure to uh, connect with him in some way. Uh, and, uh, you know, as always, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for all the love and the, the, the ratings and reviews. They mean a lot. I've been doing better about asking for the ratings and reviews because I, I didn't do it for so long. Everybody thought I didn't need help. And then I learned that Apple actually recommends, you know, podcasts, of course, you know, algorithmically, uh, depending on, you know, uh, how many you have. So it's been really great that you guys have been reaching out and doing that for me. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, again, thank you, Rashawn, for being on the show. I really appreciate you as well. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome, man. Absolutely. For everybody listening, for Sean Blumberg as my guest, myself, Matt Gossman, Hustle Sold Separately, we're out.